0: the answer
2: yes indeed it is and we move onward into our number two at eight and it's past ten o'clock on this monday the fourth morning of the 11th month of the year of our lord 2019 thanks again to congressman jim jordan for coming on with us you should come on with us next we are guest free the rest of the way so dial 216 901 or triple excuse me triple eight two eight one eleven ten and we'll get you up and on the radio you may also tweet to me and Facebook comment to me and parlor comment to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, and no underscores. Make sure they are on topic. And the topics really are kind of all over the place today as it pertains to the uh, coup d'etat against the President of the United States. I want to go back to what I started with in the uh, last hour. And I want to share with you a little bit of what I was talking about with Congressman Jim Jordan as well in the uh, toward the end of the hour. And that is uh, a piece by Andy Puzder. At uh, uh, for FoxNews.com about the Trump economy after this tremendous, uh, tremendously successful jobs report that we got on Friday. Once again, Andy Puzder was the CEO of CKE Restaurants uh, for more than 16 years. Uh, Following a career as an uh, as an attorney, he was nominated by the president to serve as Labor Secretary. In 2011, he co-authored a book called Job Creation, How It Really Works and Why Government Doesn't Understand It. His latest book is called The Capitalist Comeback, The Trump Boom, and The Left's Plot to Stop It. And the best thing I can say about Andy Puzder is he comes with the Peter Kersenow seal of approval. Uh, he is friends with Peter, and Peter has, uh, and, I, and in fact, I met him at an event that Peter and I both were uh, attending um, a GOP event uh, about two years ago. And Andy Puzder is just uh, one of the best economic minds working. And he wrote this, Democrats and the mainstream media keep underestimating the Trump boom. At this point, it's beginning to seem like defensiveness than wishful thinking. Again and again, the experts get it wrong. Not unlike the political commentators who have been wishfully predicting the end of Trump for the past four years, economic naysayers have been telling us that a Trump recession is just around the corner. Clearly, it's not. Instead of wallowing in the gloom these experts foretold, investors are riding yet another stock market rally, prompted by the latest series of expectation shattering economic data. The numbers show once again that the left's dire economic predictions are based largely on an irrational disbelief in the strength of President Trump's leadership, not in sound economics. I'm going to pause there and add this to it it's not just their dire economic predictions. That Andy Puzder is going to talk about here in a moment, but it's their desire for an economic collapse. You know, one of the most, you know, shrill and critical voices against Donald Trump on the left belongs to HBO's Bill Maher, who's a stand up comic, and obviously also he hosts his ridiculous uh, uh, political talk show in which they bash the president for an hour a week on HBO. Bill Maher, on two different occasions, and we've played this audio for you, has uh, declared uh, that he wants a recession to come. He said the only way to make sure we get rid of Trump is for there to be a recession. So bring it on. He said it's worth the short-term pain to get rid of Trump for a long-term gain. Now, he can say that, of course, because he and most of his Hollywood elite friends can ride out a recession because they're millionaires and, you know, that's not going to affect them the way that it is. Middle class and especially lower middle class America. We don't need another recession that robs millions of their jobs. We don't need another recession that gets people having their hours cut back. Thus, fewer dollars in their paychecks. Thus, fewer dollars they can spend on goods and services that we need to keep the economy thriving but he would rather see they I'll see he's kind of the voice but he's not the only um uh you know person who believes in this the democrats want the economy to come crashing down so that it costs trump the election so if we look at that in the inverse uh you know the 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 opposite of that would be if trump's economy continues to be successful they can't get rid of him American presidents historically have not lost. You talk about incumbents have not lost reelection when the economy has been strong. Just about the only real exception to that, I would think, would be George H. W. Bush in 1992, but that was the Perot factor. Ross Perot came in, this Texas oil man, and took a lot of votes away from Texas, uh, you know, Texas uh, 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 president in George H.W. Bush. He stole a lot of votes. That split the vote, allowing uh, Bill Clinton to go into the uh, White House without a majority of Americans having voted for him. So, uh, at any rate, the president's job performance here, especially as it pertains to the economy, is so good. The Democrats know full well they can't beat him on a, hey, we'll do it better basis. Because if you could do better, you would have done better. And you didn't do better. You declared that, as uh, Jordan said, uh, Barack Obama said, this is the new normal. Stagnant job growth, stagnant wages, manufacturing jobs being overseas. We're just going to be a service sector type of industry, or type of nation, rather. You know, this is, um, this is what they said the new normal was going to be. The, the old economies of growing at 3 to 4%, long gone, Barack Obama said. And sure enough, he was right. While he was president. Never had a single year of 3% GDP growth. Not one. But then along came Trump. And here we are. Jobs for everybody. We are damn near full employment in this country. And not all low-paying, part-time jobs that got people off of the unemployment rolls during the Obama years, but good-paying jobs, manufacturing jobs back. Remember, those weren't supposed to exist. Barack Obama said, how are you going to bring those back? Do you have a magic wand? Uh, yup. It's called sound business savvy. Also, uh, the wages—wages wages are at a ten-year high. Wages are growing. So again, these aren't poor jobs with poor, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, compensation. These are much better jobs with much with much higher compensation, which is why all of these economic indicators are on massive increases." Now let's go back to Andy Puzder's column. Following dire predictions of a recession, which is two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, preliminary numbers put third quarter GDP growth at 1.9%, 0.3% percentage points higher than the estimate from a Dow Jones poll of economists, and roughly on par with growth in the previous quarter. The biggest factor that experts overlooked was consumer spending, which grew by an impressive 3.9%. Ordinary Americans, it seems, have the confidence in the Trump economy that experts lack. And I'll point out this, again, to kind of buttress uh, Puzder's point here. This is why the tax cuts were so important. When American workers are allowed to keep more of their paycheck, their take-home pay increases, they're not just sitting on those dollars. They're spending those dollars which improves the bottom line for the retailers they're buying from, which necessitates an increase in manufacturing to put more products in their stores, which brings more jobs for the retail workers and more jobs for the manufacturers, the factory workers. It's all working. On Friday, writes Andy Puzder, the Bureau of Labor Statistics confirmed, This confidence in the American consumer when it reported that the economy added 128,000 jobs in October. That helped keep the unemployment rate at a near 50-year low of 3.6% in October. A negligible uptick from the 3.5% figure in September. And despite the negative impact of 46,000 GM jobs lost due to the 40-day union strike. Those jobs will be back in November, by the way. And also, the jobs numbers for August and September were up, uh, revised upward, by an additional 95,000 jobs. So the real number in, uh, in uh, the month of October, when you add the 95,000 to the 128,000, is what is that, 223,000? Experts forecast, what, 75,000. The October job data rights puzzler, proves yet again that Trump is still presiding over the strongest jobs market since the 1960s. The high demand for workers is also driving the fastest wage increase in many years, as I explained. Average hourly earnings are up 3% over the last 12 months, reaching 28.18 per hour. Yearly wage growth has now been at or above 3% for 15 consecutive months. That means real money for American workers. So the question is, why do the people on the left continue to discount Trump's economy? It's been going on too long to simply be a matter of mistaken math. Trump-hating economist Paul Krugman wrote in the New York Times, we are very probably looking at a global recession with no end in sight on the day Trump was elected in 2016. In March of 2017, the Atlantic insisted, President Trump still seems likely to face a contraction. In 2018, Never Trump columnist Quinn Hillier told his readers to buy gold, Hoard cash and stock up on canned goods before the likely crash hits, which I predict is late October. This is October of last year. Then this year, we were told multiple times that inverted yield curves meant economic catastrophe catastrophe was imminent. That, too, was a false alarm. Somehow journalists and economic prognosticators seem to take their own inaccurate predictions as evidence of Trump's failure, while either denying the very real boom times we are are actually experiencing or attributing the the strong and growing economy to factors beyond the president's control. It is getting absurd, honestly, at this point. Let's label it officially absurd. Even CNN admitted Thursday that this economic expansion could very well continue without interruption for several more years. By now it's clear the president's opponents are desperate. They've been counting on a recession to sweep a left-winger such as Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders into the White House next year. But time is growing short and there is no evidence of a recession in the near term. This certainly helps explain why congressional Democrats are pursuing impeachment so aggressively, despite the utter lack of evidence that Trump did anything wrong. Not to mention the unfathomably remote, unfathomably remote possibility that, with an election, year, uh, an election a year away, 20 Republican senators would join 47 Democratic senators to produce a two-thirds majority required to remove a duly elected Republican president who has done nothing even remotely impeachable from office. But, and I'll wrap it here, with a rock-solid economy generating consistent gains for Americans at all income levels, this is all the Democrats have. There wasn't a candidate on the stage during the Democratic debate who could beat Trump in a fair election. And the Democrats know it. So fairness be damned. Let's face it, the left's pessimistic economic predictions are less plausible than ever before. In fact, as the strength of the Trump economy becomes increasingly obvious, their unrealistic impeachment push suggests even the Democrats no longer believe their economic spin. Seriously, with the economic data coming in, they can't. That's a great piece by uh, brilliant economist uh, Andy Andy Puzder, who just laid it all out. And uh, I want you to remember all of this, and I want you to share this with your liberal friends. This is why the coup d'etat continues, because they cannot stop him. They cannot beat him when the economy is doing so incredibly well. 1021, right back after this on AM 1420, The
0: Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The Answer.
2: about Bob Francis, 30 a.m. 1420. The answer will take a phone call or two here before the, the uh, bottom of the hour. And this is Milo calling from Illyria. That's my stomping ground. Hey, Milo, go ahead.
3: Hey, Bob. Um, you and I both believe the impeachment's going to fail. Yes, sir. And we've used the word coup a number of times describing the past attacks on the president. Yes, sir. So when this latest thing fails, why won't Barr come after Schiff hard for the word sedition, I've looked it up and I've done some research this weekend, and I can't wrap my mind around whether or not you need violence in order to get a sedition charge.
2: Uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, treason and sedition are, are charges that just don't really—they aren't—they aren't really used anymore, um, and they're charges that aren't brought forth anymore. I mean, unless somebody is found to literally be. Sending classified secrets of nuclear bomb locations or military strategic positions to North Korea or one of our other enemies—they um, just don't do it. I mean, they didn't even use—they didn't even use treason to charge Bo Bergdahl, who left his post in Afghanistan, as you well know, uh, right. and uh, and 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 essentially uh, he he went AWOL and he ended up quote-unquote, being held uh, by Afghans or Afghanis, and and I'm still not convinced that he didn't join them because he was uh, a very different dude when he came back. Anyway, you know the story by now. Obama gave five high-value Taliban detainees out of Gitmo in order to get him back, and then they didn't even charge him with treason. They charged, They didn't even charge him with desertion, did they? I think just like leaving his post or something stupid. But there are cases yeah. where it's been, it's been very clear that tre- treason and sedition, I think, have been, you know, have been committed, and they just don't charge it anymore. So I would not have a whole lot of faith, and I do have a lot of faith in Bill Barr, but I would not have a whole lot of faith that he's going to charge Adam Schiff with anything.
3: Well, my point being, actions have consequences. It's so, not, you know, per encorporment is ultra. Let's throw this son, son of a gun into Gitmo uh, for a year and let him dig his way out.
2: Well, you know what, not only for him, Milo, and I'm with you by the way, I really am. But not only for him, but again, we have to talk about deterrent, do we not? That's one of the reasons you decide how to pursue charges against somebody who's committed a crime like this, and then the sentence, you know, how you decide what to sentence with to deter other people from doing the same thing. I completely concur. Uh but but I just don't see it coming. I just there I mean, look. Hillary Clinton exposed very valuable classified information to foreign bad actors by way of using her unsecured server in her Chappaqua, New York home. James Comey admitted it. The investigation was conducted by not the Obama um, Department of Justice; it was just completed by the Trump Department of Justice, and they recommended uh, no more, no further action. We don't hold people. You said that you know committing crimes has consequences. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, but I don't think uh, I don't think the laws applied equally to everybody in this country. The politically connected continue to skirt the the uh, the law, and that's what happened with Hillary. And I suspect that's what would happen with a with an individual like Shift too. Thanks for the call. We'll come right back. I on am fourteen twenty. The answer. 1035, we continue on the Authority. Thanks for being with us on this Monday. Great conversation with Jim Jordan in the first hour. If you missed it, as always, find it on our webpage, whkradio.com, whkradio.com. You can check that out there, and uh, just click on the podcast page, local podcast, and you will find it in hour number one on today's date, the 4th of November. So uh, check that out, and make sure that you uh, share the information that you learned there. Now, um, a couple of other things. First, a reminder, coming up, we are now what? Let me do the math here, 21 minus 4, 17 days away from the War for America Soul Tour, and there are still just a handful of VIP tickets remaining for that event. Come and see Hugh Hewitt, Peter, Cur- Peter Kirsenow, Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and yours truly. The four of us will be entertaining you if you are a VIP holder before the stage presentation about the War for America Soul. You will get opportunities to have pictures with all four hosts. You will have... Uh, you can have selfies with each of us if you want to. You can get autographs. You can uh, have access to their books. You can, uh and of course, have a great meal with us there at the Holiday Inn on Rockside. Uh, coming up on November 21st, so 17 days away. We would love to see you there with us uh, for the War for America Soul Tour. So VIP tickets are available at whkradio.com. There's only a small handful left. These are selling out very quickly, so make sure that you get yours now. You've got less than three weeks before the event. whkradio.com. Check, click on the banner at the top of the page for the War for America Soul. It really literally is exactly that. So CNN, I teased this in the first hour as well. Let me hit this real fast. CNN, as you know, it just does leftist politics and nothing more. Very, very, very rarely will they allow anything that is, runs counter to their um, their narrative uh, to be you know, broadcast on the air or even placed on their webpage at CNN.com. Well, here we are, one of those very rare events. They let an editorial slip through the cracks. Headlined, Democrats are wasting America's time on impeachment. Scott Jennings is the CNN contributor who wrote this piece. And he wrote, let me skip to the end. The Democratic majority, U.S. House of Representatives, in partisan fashion, is all but certain to impeach President Donald Trump. The Republican majority majority Senate, in partisan fashion, will almost certainly acquit him. And the net result will be that the Democrats have abused the U.S. Constitution to satisfy political passions instead of approaching impeachment as the solemn act that the framers intended. Let's be honest. The Democrats were always going to do this. From the minute we realized on election night that Donald Trump had won, they began fantasizing about nullifying the election results. Indeed, in the weeks leading up to the 2016 election, the Democrats' biggest concern was that Trump would not accept the outcome of a Hillary win. Of which they were quite certain. As it turns out, it was the Democrats who had no intention of accepting it. How odd that they have become again what they claim to detest about Trump. Over the last three years, the desire to impeach Trump among rank-and-file Democrats has only grown with each outrage, real or manufactured. Even as weak as political parties are these days, one thing remains true. Politicians nearly always do what their parties want them to do. I'm going to pause there. Just to kind of hit that, think about what they have uh, what they have decided to impeach Trump over time and time again. Charlottesville happened in which a white supremacist group of of pathetic white supremacists white supremacists, a bunch of thugs actually got a permit to march in Charlottesville, Virginia in support of age old statues of southern leaders that some on the left wanted to take down, claiming that they glorified the days of racism and slavery. You know the story by now. Well, these white supremacists, again, their disgusting nature notwithstanding, they had a permit to go and march in support of the statues. As you know, they were met by Antifa thugs who came armed and ready for battle to attack the white supremacists. Because, well, white supremacists deserve to be punched, they reasoned. So they brought rocks and bottles and bags of urine and all kinds of other things and and, and attacked. And you had this terrible battle between white supremacists and Antifa, far left uh, thugs, both sides full of thugs, which, by the way, completely overwhelmed the few people on each side who weren't there to be a part of any battling or thuggery who were there just to express their opinions on it. I want to save the statues, or I think the statues should go. Which is exactly what we are, are, are you know, permitted to do, if not encouraged to do, by the Constitution of the United States, by the, the Bill of Rights, and especially the First Amendment. So you know the story, terrible tragedy. One of the white supremacist thug idiots got in his car and drove it into a crowd of the leftist thug idiots and killed A woman who was not part of the Antifa crowd, who was one of the good people on both sides that Donald Trump referenced. And he said, There are some very fine people on both sides of this who are just here expressing their opinions, who are not part of the thuggery, who are not white supremacists or nor Antifa, uh, you know, mask wearing Antifa. There were good people on both sides. There were also the thugs on both sides. President Trump was 100% correct. There were. And what happened was a tragedy. It was a travesty. But because they believed that he said that the white supremacists were very fine people, they moved to impeach him over words. This guy can't be president anymore. He said words that we didn't like. Now, never mind the fact that they lied about what he said, and the proof is on video and audio. Never mind the fact that they lied, but the point is, even if they hadn't lied, even if he had said something egregious and outrageous, like the people, uh, the white supremacists were very fine people, even if he had said something, which again, for the sake of clarity, he did not, you don't get to impeach a president for words like that. That's not how it works, but they wanted to impeach him for that. They have wanted to impeach Donald Trump for, for so many ridiculous reasons. As a matter of fact, I don't know if I have it handy at the moment. I might have to save this for the uh, flip side uh, uh, of the next break. But Alexandria Damasio-Cortez tweeted over the weekend, I believe it was over the weekend, she tweeted all of the reasons why Donald Trump should be impeached. Somebody challenged her, I think it was, and said, "You know what? You know what? What, what has he done that is impeachable?" And no, you know what? I take it back. I take it back. It wasn't Alexandria damasio Cortez. It was equally airheaded, um, vacuous, n- n- nitwit Alyssa Milano who I think probably could substitute for AOC, should play her in the movie of AOC. They both have the same mindset, they both have the same intellect, they both have the same hatred of this country, quite frankly. They both want to see it turn into a socialist nation where the government controls everything and everyone. But at any rate, Alyssa Milano tweeted the reasons why Donald Trump should be uh, impeached. And, and none of them have any bearing whatsoever on the impeachment process. None of them are crimes, misdemeanors, or anything else. None of them rise to the level of impeachable offenses, but this is what they do. And, and Alyssa Milano may just be a, you know, a washed up Hollywood actress, not a sitting member of Congress, but they say the same things. They stand for the same things. They retweet one another. And so it matters. And again, I don't have it handy. I'll have to find it on the other side of the break. There, but I, I, there were seven things she said. Seven reasons, legitimate reasons to impeach him. And the, and again, nothing had to, none of them had anything to do with crimes. They had everything to do with opinions and things I don't like about Donald Trump. So that's what makes this, you know, uh, what what uh, the CNN op-ed accurate when they talk about rank and file Democrats as well as liberal prominent public figure Democrats like the Hollywood set, etc. Their their demands for impeachment have only grown each and every month that Donald Trump has been president. They didn't have to wait for this phone call with Ukraine. They have been trying to impeach him from the get-go for a variety of reasons, including Charlottesville, the story that I just recounted. Now, when Republicans took control of Congress, they cut taxes because members of their party wanted them to. The fantasy for grassroots Democrats made possible when the party gained a House majority in the 2018 midterm was to impeach the president. Today, you can listen to the Democrats on your average cable panel claiming their party cares most about health care and social justice. But that's baloney as they care principally about one thing, getting rid of Donald Trump as soon as possible. So here we are with our partisan vote Thursday to approve a resolution setting rules for impeachment and the process now underway at the direction of Nancy Pelosi. For months, Democrat talking heads portrayed Pelosi as a reluctant participant in this charade, someone who was restraining her party's most strident anti-Trump elements. Poppycock. In my view, she was destined to do this, and this Ukrainian business was simply her last chance before voters began casting ballots in the 2020 election. Democrats have failed to galvanize public opinion to the view that Trump's controversial July 25th phone call was an impeachable offense. The latest polling shows Democrats think it's impeachable, Republicans don't, and that voters in swing states aren't on board with this yet. In other words, the people who already wanted to impeach Trump are willing to throw any log onto that impeachment fire, no matter how wet the wood is. But virtually no one else is joining in. The most vocal Trump haters frequently bemoan the lack of profiles and courage among Republicans, demanding that someone, anyone, defy their party to impeach the president. I might ask this. Where is the Democratic profile in courage? Someone willing to stand up to Nancy Pelosi and call the House impeachment what it is. A norm-obliterating kangaroo court run by a party that apparently has little confidence in its ability to beat Trump in the next election. I doubt Trump loses any Republican votes in the Senate during his all-but-certain impeachment trial. And the numerous Senate Democrats running for president will be screaming about it, torn every day between showing up for jury duty and campaigning in Iowa. And in the end, Pelosi is doing nothing but checking a box for the most partisan people in her party. There will be nothing to show for it but wasted time and a diversion of the nation's political conversation, away from issues that real people care about. And that was on CNN.com. Of all places, CNN. Let that one slip through the cracks. That's amazing. And it's also very accurate. TJ in Cleveland. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, TJ. Go ahead.
3: Hi, Bob. You know what? Your call about treason. You know, in my lifetime, the most treasonous act I witnessed was Jane Fonda during the Vietnam War. What that woman did in any other war would have merited her execution for treason. Yet she came back here and was given a lucrative movie career, not charged with anything. And when I started to see, if you're a high-profile liberal or Democrat, the law is not for you in this country. It's for the rest of us, but not these people. And you've seen it over and over and over since then. They do whatever they do. They don't pay for it. Uh, Like I said, with Hillary Clinton, with her classified material, some Navy sailor spends a year in prison for a simple... Uh, a cell phone picture of his bunk in a submarine. Right, and she walks clean with putting classified information out there for the world. Uh, they they just get away with everything, and the reason is is because of this media. With the real media, they wouldn't get away with this. But they're all in bed together. It's it's a shame. But Jane well, Fonda, uh, I'm telling you, Bob, that woman should have been executed. We know of at least three prisoners that were killed because of her actions in North Vietnam. And she's still out there. I heard she got arrested for protesting last week. Yeah, she's,
2: she's still doing this nonsense. She's doing the show protests for a climate change or whatever. She wanted yeah. to be arrested so she could be in the papers again. And who knows? She's, she's in her 80s now, so I don't know if there's too much of a future for her in terms of uh, roles uh, on screen. But she's still trying to make herself relevant again. And I agree oh. with everything you just said, by the way, about her. Yeah.
3: And that's true. These old dogs like uh, uh, her and these other Hollywood people, their careers are over. They know it. So to stay relevant, they gotta, you know, come out with this crap. They come out with this anti-Trump, and it's all because they they got to get back into the limelight somewhere you know somehow yeah. and they just can't yeah. do it on talent or anything anymore cuz they're like I said over the hill dogs. Well, I but it's not,
2: but, but, yeah, but it's it's not just that. It's not just trying to get their career back or whatever because again, I don't know whether she has much of a future in movies or not anyway. But it's this is what they are to their core. They're anti-American. They are anti It's not just anti-Trump because what Trump represents is truly constitutional America and that's what they oppose. They don't believe in American uh 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 you know uh, exceptionalism they don't believe in America first they believe America is what's wrong with this country with what's wrong with this world rather that they commit more uh, uh, evil around the world than they do good and they are just hell-bent on making sure everybody knows it that's what these people are that's what Jane Fonda was in this in this in what year was it that she was um, I, th- I think that was 68 or 69 I, I wasn't yeah I, w- I almost said in the late 60s but I wasn't even sure if it was 70 or 71 I, I I didn't know exactly when it was but but, you, you but know, what Bob, she did wait. what she did at that time is exactly what she's doing today, TJ. Go ahead, wrap it up.
3: A good movie that most people didn't see, I'm sure you could find it maybe on YouTube or Netflix, uh, called Hanoi Hilton. In a true story, what happened to our prisoners. Now, they don't say her name in there, but they definitely portray what she did. And I'm telling you, if that was not treason that no one could ever be charged for treason in this country. Which is, which is,
2: yeah, which is why I said what I said to the caller who actually brought up sedition, uh, not treason, but sedition. And obviously they're closely uh, linked. But, uh, but yeah, I don't think that's just uh, something we do anymore. There, there have been plenty of examples of treason committed by even you know, service members like Bergdahl who are never going to be charged with it. So uh, it's just something that we, we, you know, we have to accept. Uh, TJ, thank you. I appreciate the phone call. It's 1051, nine minutes of uh, outstanding awesome left for you. We'll get a couple more calls in too as well
0: right after this. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer.
2: So a little follow up for you, real quick on uh, <laughs> on the Browns story. You heard, uh, or maybe you heard during the news. I hope you heard during the news that um, uh, that uh, the Browns were considering punishment for Jermaine Whitehead, who is one of their defensive players, of safety, who uh, not only had a terrible game, but had a terrible post game. Uh, he. Uh, He decided to go online last night on social media right after the game and um, threaten to kill critics, including a radio show host in Cleveland, whose name I won't share, but doesn't matter really, but also just fans. Anybody who criticized his poor tackling and poor play, he threatened to kill while using racially charged language, calling white critics crackers and other things. Um. So that was the threat. There, the the or I should say in the newscast, there is a pot- potential of more punishment for him. Apparently, that potential turned into reality, because I want to share this with you, if I can. Hold on a second here. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, wrong link.
0: Um. So this is this is what went down. Security. No, hold on. That didn't take long. The Cleveland Browns have waived safety Jermaine Whitehead for a series of threatening racist tweets he sent after the Browns' latest loss Sunday in Denver. After Browns radio analyst Dustin Fox criticized Whitehead on social media, calling his tackling effort, quote, a joke, Whitehead fired back. He called the reporter, quote, a cracker attached to a pair of curse words. He sparred with many on Twitter last night, including one critic who Whitehead threatened, quote, I'm to kill you. That's on blood. The Browns publicly denounced Whitehead's behavior <laughs> Twitter suspended his account and then Whitehead continued on Instagram replied to one comment writing blank you
2: <laughs> it's not funny it's A the state of the Browns and B the state of this culture truthfully we'll talk more about that tomorrow Kenny and LaGrange hey Kenny you're on the air thanks for calling my friend what's on your mind
3: uh, what I see is from day one, when these young kids got elected into the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi lost control from the very first day. Instead of putting these kids on a committee to fill potholes in Washington, D.C., she put these kids on the Judiciary Committee, the Intelligence Committee, and three years later, Nancy Pelosi has lost control of the House, and she does not, she does not know how to control these kids. And this impeachment talk? It's out of control, and they do not know how to walk it back and save face.
2: You know, I, uh, well, they don't want to walk it back, to be honest with you. Maybe Pelosi might. Maybe some of the others might. But, I mean, it's not just the kids either. You know, it's not just the squids, uh, you know, the AOC and, and Sharia Tlaib and and the rest of them. But it's people like Schiff, it's people like Nadler. Nadler, who was around in the 98 uh, Clinton impeachment, who railed against the impeachment of Bill Clinton. This is not what the impeachment clause was written in for. This is not what the framers intended, blah, blah, blah. And saying, Joe Biden, he's not a kid anymore, Kenny, And Joe Biden is up there screaming, we have to impeach Trump. And he knows full well, despite his constant screaming that, I'll beat him like a drum, he knows he can't beat him, especially with this economy. And so, you know, it's not just the kids. I mean, there are a lot of grown adults who have been around since even the 98 Clinton proceedings, uh, impeachment proceedings, who who support this.
3: Yeah, they let the kids control the context of the conversation, and right now they're stuck, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah, although I would say that, you know, again, Adam Schiff is, is probably public enemy number one in this regard, even more so than the quote on kids that you're talking about, because he's the one, as you know, who was the first one to have contact with the quote-unquote whistleblower. And I agree with the president who tweeted this morning that there is no whistleblower. There is an anti-Trump uh, um, uh, Obama-Biden, former Biden worker and Obama supporter and employee who um, was working actively against President Donald Trump in the CIA. And that's who the whistleblower was. But he's the first one to know all of this, and he's been orchestrating it from the beginning. I don't think he needed the kids' marching orders. I think he has been the uh, point man for this entire thing all along. Okay, so Bob. There's, there's well. a lot of blame to share, essentially, right, Kenny? I think that's what we can say here. There's a yeah, lot of blame yes. to share. The young, the young, you know, whippersnappers who are coming up here with their socialist ideals, <laughs> running. I
3: didn't want. I didn't want to use that word, but I'm glad you threw it out
2: there. Well, why not? They are. I know we sound like old guys, but you know what? That's what they are. These young socialist whippersnappers. Between them and the Bidens and the Shifts and everybody else, there's a lot of blame to go around there for this coup d'etat. All right, that's it. That's all the time we've got. Mike Gallagher's coming up next. Thanks for a great conversation today. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.
0: Enjoy the silence.